Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in, everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast, where, of course... Every yard counts, even in week one, and whether you wear a watch or not, it doesn't really matter. But joining me on the podcast today, we have Sean Blundell and Lawrence Voss, two of our NFL writers. Boys, you any of you boys wearing a watch today? I haven't worn a watch for about 20 years, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> oh dear. What, a, what a stupid story that is, all, all focusing on bloody Odell Beckham's watch. But uh, more more to that on that a bit later on. Uh, Sean and Lawrence, of course, contribute contribute to our weekly NFL articles. More recently, the Full 10 Takeaways, uh, which is now available for, for your perusal over at full10yards.com. And tomorrow we'll, of course, be posting out uh, the second edition of our Full 10 Look Ahead as well. So go back and check those out. Some really good articles there. Really enjoying some of the stuff that's coming out over at Full 10 Yards HQ. Uh, on the podcast today, though, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be looking at some of the main talking points from week one. A little look ahead to week two as well, a bit later on, but also sandwich in, ladies and gentlemen, some of our favourite segments of the podcast. The full 10 questions is back for season edition number three. And yes, everyone, Jason Garrett Corner returns, makes its lovely debut back uh, for 2019. Uh, can't wait for that one. Some uh, Some good candidates for that segment. But, fellas, uh, yeah, Lawrence, we'll start with you. Good to have football back, isn't it? It is, unless you're a Redskins fan, of course. Mm. Um, it's, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. Getting, getting back into the, into the swing of things. Thursday night, I struggled through, made it through Thursday night, watched the game, and then my sleep pattern was disrupted for the next two days. <laughs> yep. I made it into the fourth quarter of the Cardinals game and then fell asleep. And woke up at some point a couple of hours later for Sunday night. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been tremendous having football back. It really has. Mm, Sean, have you picked your jaw up off the floor yet after <laughs> after the Browns? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. But um, yeah, great to have you back. I think the you know the one thing that never surprises me in week one, and we'll get onto that as we go through, is. We know nothing. Uh, mm. We spend months speculating and telling everybody what we think is going to happen. Mm. And then week one comes along and Andy Dalton leads the league in passing yards. So <laughs> it shows we know absolutely nothing and that's why we love the game. So great to have you back and uh, look forward to the next 16 weeks immensely. Yeah, NFL is back, baby. Yeah, it did something. I stayed up to about half one uh, watching Red Zone and uh, I think we were watching the overtime game between Detroit and, and Arizona. But yeah, it did knock me for six for a couple of days. But uh, yeah, back and ready, ready, already ready for week two. Uh, let's start off with opening night, though, folks. Uh, Packers Bears was a bit of a struggle. And I think a theme throughout the whole. Uh, of week one is you could tell which teams you know played their starters in some of the preseason and which got you know which type teams didn't because Sean the the Packers and Bears offensively kind of really struggled and it was just the one drive that was the difference yeah the word I've got written down in terms of preparation for this is, is sloppy I think mm. that that was the way I would describe the game it it, it wasn't a great watch um I didn't have the commitment of Lawrence there I, I didn't stay up Thursday night um but uh watched the game the day after on Game Pass, um, and it was just very, very sloppy. Mm. Um, both sides struggled to move the ball. Um, however, with that being said, um, credit where it's due to the defensive units. Yeah. I think the Packers' defence has got a chance to be decent this year. Um, I was actually a, a bit of a fan of, of Mike Petting when he was at Cleveland a few years back, and he, he always has had, in my opinion, a good defensive scheme. He seems to have had some tools handed to him this year. Um, that he's going to get a good return from that unit. And I think for the Packers to be successful, they needed that. They can't rely on Aaron Rodgers to win every game for them. Yeah. Um, he's obviously good enough to win games for them, and I'm sure throughout the season there will be games that he does take over. Um, but if he hasn't got to go and put 35, 40 points up every week and he can have an off night like he did on Thursday and that defence can keep it tight and, and keep the scoreboard down, then I think you know the Packers have got an excellent chance this year. So, as sloppy as it was, um, you know, a really good start defensively for the Packers. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, five five sacks, um, kind of five different people um, contributing on stacks, including two of the free agent signings. Yeah. Um, 
Preston Smith and 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 Zadarius Smith as well. Um, it was um, it was surprising, but I mean, if you if you look at some of the stats, I mean, it's it's a struggle with Aaron Rodgers. He's still he's still not right. I don't, you know, he's still not in the zone. He really isn't. He's, I still think he's struggling. Yeah, it was the Bears' defense, um, but the Packers' running game was non-existent. Mm-hmm. Under fifty yards. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, when the, when the first game of the season has the two teams combined for under a hundred yards rushing, it's you know it's not it's not good on the eyes. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Trubisky just he looked like a rookie. Mm-hmm. He did not look like a third-year mm-hmm. starter who's supposed to be in control of a team. That is, is is has the potential to reach the NFC Championship. Mm. Um, it's he just he looked he looked just scared the whole game. It mm. was it was shocking, shocking. Yeah. Absolutely, as I say, part of it might be you know, rusty offenses. I, I do I do think that the um, the, the deep bomb to Marcus Valdez Scanlon from from Rogers was a thing of beauty, where he looked off three of the defenders going left and then shot it um, a straight bomb down for forty plus yards. That was that was beautiful, and obviously set him up for the for the touchdown on that drive. But yeah, Trubisky didn't look great again. He didn't some throws to his left, which was you know. A bit of a narrative last season, um, but yeah, Fran to his left, he was, he was awful. But Aaron Robinson made some decent catches. I was quite impressed with him, actually. I wasn't quite sure what he was going to be like this season. But in general, I think uh, you know, Matt Nagy come out and said um, it, it was awful. And you know, when you only score three points, it's always it's always going to be, isn't it? But yeah, the, certainly the, the Packers', the Packers defence uh, certainly gelled quicker than maybe some people thought. There's a lot of talent on there now as well. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how much of that was down to Adrian Amos being able to kind of decipher what they might have brought to the table in Chicago. But you know, week one is always a bit of a leveller um, for for two for teams um, because you know you don't know if there's any going to be any new wrinkles. You don't know how the teams are going to play. You know, there's a lot of teams that were up early um, and then you know, so, you know, like the Washington free game um, where the, the the better team, I suppose, can get the second half to, to kind of turn it around but uh, let's um, let's go over to Cleveland then because this one this one was actually a close one uh, until the fourth quarter meltdown by Baker Mayfield uh, Sean but you know the offseason they were offseason the offseason champions weren't they Cleveland everyone you know you, the circus the circus supply store couldn't make any couldn't make enough bandwagons uh, for people to to jump on <laughs> but uh, I guess the, everyone on the sport ticket is going to tuck and roll now uh There'll probably be an element of that. I mean, obviously, as, as a Browns fan for many years, and and, and all Browns fans will tell you, you need uh, pretty thick skin to stick with this team. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen some horrendous stuff over the last, well, forever. It feels like, if I'm being honest, yeah. and and Sunday was just another one of those disappointments. Started off great. Mm. I'm sitting there watching it and thinking, you know, this is exciting. We march down the field, moving the ball with ease. Every throw that Baker made seemed to go for a first down um, and punched it in the end zone. And you think, you know, this is going to be different. Mm. And then, unfortunately, the rest of the game transpired from there. Um, penalties, the main issue. Oh, um, lack awful, of discipline. Jesus, um, yeah. I mean, the. There were more flags. Um, you know, we, we actually got penalised for 18. I think there were probably another three or four that were declined. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm not having, and I'm going to throw it out there, there's been a lot of complaints from Browns fans about the officials. Y- you don't get 20 penalties wrong. No. There might have been a couple that were questionable, but, you know, welcome to the NFL. That mm. happens every week in every game. Mm. And, you know, some weeks they'll go for you, some weeks they won't. There wasn't an absolutely horrendous call. Um, not in my opinion anyway um, you know when I'm saying that as a Browns fan I didn't think it was the officials that cost us it was just a real lack of discipline yeah. um, Freddie all off season has made a point of, of training camp being physical um, but they need to know when to be physical mm-hmm. and you know be physical until the whistle goes we, we got a left tackle ejected yeah um, and it was just it was just a struggle it really was a struggle as you say though Tim it was it was close mm-hmm. Um at one stage, you know, we, we scored a touchdown to get it back to 15-13. Things then looking as though momentum might shift. And, and to only be two points down, considering how poorly we had played, was a little bit of a miracle in itself. Yeah. Um, but talk about taking the uh, the stuffing out of you. The very next play from scrimmage after we scored was, was a 75-yard screen pass to Derrick Henry. And, and to be fair... I think even I could have scored. He didn't get touched by anybody. He just basically ran in a straight line from the moment he picked the ball up. Yeah. 
Um, and either Derek Henry's really quick or our linebackers are a lot slower than anybody gave credit for. Um, he waltzed in and then Baker just had a meltdown in the fourth quarter. Um, to be fair, he'd been harassed all night. The offensive line was a mess, which was my concern going into the season. Um, I did do a bit of a piece on offensive lines ahead of the season and the Browns weren't ranked very highly in that regard. Yeah. Um, you can have all the skill players that you like, but if you don't give your quarterback time and you don't give your skill players time to get open and, and let their routes develop, you're going to struggle. Um but I think that's a bit more fundamental of what the issue was. The yeah. Browns seem to be going for big plays. If you actually look at that first drive, they move the chains regularly with some short intermediate passing, yeah. five, ten-yard completions, yards after the catch. Once they got behind on the scoreboard, everything seemed to be aimed downfield. And I think you know, moving forward, they've got to rein that in. Um, you know, beat a team first. You know, don't try and embarrass the team. I think the game plan was to to go and win on Sunday by thirty points. They're not that good yet. They've got to earn that. No point winning the off season. We do that several times. Let's yeah. let's get back to just winning a game on on a Sunday night or or Monday night as it will be next week. Yeah, absolutely. And for the for, so, the, for the Titans, the the narrative on the Titans is that you got Marcus Mariota, who just nobody. Nobody's been paying any attention to in the off season. It's like, oh, it's another season of Marcus Mariota. I mean, I even ranked his backup Ryan Tannehill as the number one backup, and I kind of, I was, I had it in, I had a feeling that at some point Tannehill was going to make a big contribution to the Titans, and I, I thought we we're going to start talking about that kind of initial nervousness. But Mariota, three touchdowns. 133 rating. I mean, he, he he didn't throw much. It was only it was only kind of 14 completions on the day. But Delaney Walker, who was out with injury for the whole of last season, had uh, you know had two scores and is is arguably a top 10 tight end that people might not have picked up, or if they did, they picked up quite late in drafts. And then AJ Brown. I mean, it's normally, the, again, the storyline is it's a struggle for receivers, rookie receivers to make an impact. Brown hit exactly 100 yards on his debut. And, um, and according to reports, he that's not even him at full potential. So, you know, there's there's for Titans, for the three Titans fans in England, you know, they've got something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for me, my, my main takeaway from this game, obviously, yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's funny that the, the crash and burn of, of the Browns in the fourth quarter, but they, I think, like you said, you mentioned it there, Sean, they were lucky to even get within two points because if you're the reason Baker Mayfield was getting sacked five times, one safety, and you know had to go, you know, full Jay Cutler in the fourth quarter is, you know, when you're when you're racking up penalties to the amount where it's nearly twice the length of the field, um, you're always going to be behind the eight ball, and then add on top of that, you've got a left tackle who was it Greg Robinson who got ejected, and then the guy that they shoved over and left uh, over to left tackle I think got injured as well. So uh, you're, you're mucking around on a line that is already subpar. Uh, to then, you know, when you're then first and twenty or second and twenty and second and fifteen and all the rest of it, that's why. Um, you know, people like Cameron Wake and, and all the rest of the, you know, and let, let, let's, let's be let's be honest, the Tennessee Titans defensive line is is a decent one. I think I've said it previously on the on the podcast that the the, the Tennessee defensive line is, you know, Harold Landry and all the rest of them are, are very much an underrated unit uh, this season. They'll, they'll give t- a few teams a scare uh, this season as well. But yeah, um, I'm not quite sure. I, I did hear a rumor that um, you know the, the Browns might be covering up uh, Baker Mayfield having a bit of a concussion as a as a bit of a naughty wrist injury. I can't remember who told me that was that might be new Sean actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, once you've got all those things going ahead of you, you know, going against you in terms of penalties, injuries, um, you know, and Baker has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little bit as well because he wants to be the hero all the time. Um, but yeah, when you are first and twenty, second and fifteen, you have to hold the ball for a bit longer. Uh, and if you've got a, a leaky offensive line, you're going to get sacked five times uh, in the game, if not more, and you're going to get your your quarterback beaten up. So, uh, but what I will say, Sean, what is going to be interesting is how they bounce back uh, next week on was it Monday Night Football against the Jets, where it all started last year. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, this was was Baker's debut last year. Obviously, he was at home last season. Um, but yeah, on the road Monday night, um, it's going to be a big game now. You know, like I said, a lot of expectation coming into the season. The following week on the schedule is the Rams on Sunday night football. Um, so regardless of what happens Monday night, they're going to be going into that Rams game as the underdogs. I would have assumed. 
Um, you know, so there's every chance that all of a sudden all this hype will start off with an 0 3 start if they if they don't uh, get it turned around pretty quickly on Monday night. So um, a big week coming up already in in week two. You know, let's not not panic. Week one generally is a bit of a lie in the NFL. Don't forget this time 12 months ago it was you know the Bucks beating the Saints and. It's magic for his uh, God knows whatever incarnation it was, but uh, you know they certainly need to get it tidied up pretty quickly. Yeah, it will get a bit ugly there for the Browns. Talking of ugly, we're going to talk about Miami because they ain't got no alibi because they ugly. Um, yeah, I mean, where to even start in Miami? You've got vets asking for trades. Um, yeah, absolutely uh, demolished uh, the hands of Baltimore. That, that's the first uh, defeat in September for Miami in the last three or four years. Um, so. I know there's a lot of heat in Florida and humid and you know, bit, a tiny bit of home field advantage. It'd be interesting to see actually how they bounce back against the Patriots next week because uh, I think that's at home as well. But yeah, this one uh, this one got ugly early and the, the Baltimore Ravens just, just not take the foot off the throats of the uh, Miami Dolphins' neck. Um, on, on the plus side, Michael uh, Mike Fitzpatrick, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick still breaking records. Now eight teams with a touchdown and an interception. Uh, that is, they are both new records. Uh, any, any, anything... Can we actually take anything yeah, from I this mean, game? This, I just, um, the biggest shock, I think, was the game plan um, for, for for everybody. Really, seeing um, Lamar Jackson hit um, seventeen of twenty, three hundred and twenty-four yards, and five touchdowns, five zero interceptions, but rushing. Negligible. Yeah. Yeah, three yeah. three rushes for six, six yards. yards. They, mm. they just they they took the yards where they could get them. I still think Lamar Jackson is capable of you know breaking a hundred yards rushing if he chooses to. Yeah. But I know Harbour coach Harbour was saying you know you're going to see something that you haven't seen before. You're going to see all of this, and you hear that storyline from all the coaches that oh it's, it's going to be a revolution. You're going to see this. You're going to see that. I mean, okay, it's the Miami Dolphins, but still, putting up 59 points in week one is not a regular occurrence. No, no. no. And uh, there's some good stats out there, actually, about Baltimore's uh, opening opening game uh, kind of record. Because let's not forget, they, they stomped on, the, was it the Buffalo Bills last year in week one? I can't remember off the top of my head, but they have a really good record um, first week out uh, in the NFL season. But yeah, Sean... I think it might be actually be, be quite clever here because obviously the emphasis in this game and the, the storylines coming out will be Lamar Jackson throwing the ball and all those stats that, that uh, Lawrence just went through. But what might be quite clever ab- about all of it is that you know the reason the Patriots win so many games is that the game plan, particular to the team that they're playing. Now I know you know Miami were awful in general on defense, so they were afforded uh, Lamar Jackson to to throw the ball. But when it comes to it, I still think obviously John Harbaugh will dial up you know, a heavy dosage uh, of running game, especially with Lamar Jackson as well. And let's not forget, you know, Mark Ingram had a couple of touchdowns um, as well. And um, who's the other one that got a touchdown? Uh, no, that was it. That was only two for England, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think depending it was, on obviously it's just who they scary. play. Two, two, 265 rushing yards to go with it. Mm. Um, you know, he, I had um, I had Ingram in a lot of fantasy teams, and you know he's helped me. I mean, it's just just ridiculous. Mm. You know, almost eight yards a carry. Um, and then you have you have one guy get one carry for sixty yards. Yeah, yeah, Levine. Yeah. Levine, yeah. Just, I mean, it's just just ridiculous. And then you look at the. Obviously, the Dolphins had to abandon the run early, but when you when you see a team abandon the run, and then you kind of you know look at the you know the the sort of cold hard facts, twenty one yards rushing for mm-hmm. the day. Like you, you can't, you're not going to go anywhere near winning games with you know that sort of output. Mm-hmm. You just it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And Sean, what, what do we what do we expect? You know, is is it a case of Baltimore were, were that good uh, or Miami that bad? A bit of both. What, what do we expect in terms of Baltimore week two? Because who do they play in week two? They're at home again, home to a really bad rush defense in the in the Cardinals. So um, you wouldn't be uh, outside the realms of possibility we see a similar scoreline. No, I think I think there's a bit of both in that. I think you know the Ravens probably a little bit better than we gave them credit for moving in. I think, you know, the, the key thing to them will, will be the evolution of Lamar Jackson in year two. Um, Dolphins possibly a little bit worse than what we were. You know, one thing to remember with the Dolphins is 
all of these last minute trades, you know, I was just talking to a friend who's a Dolphins fan. I think, you know, he told me that 26% of the roster has been changed from what it was a week ago. Mm. Um, that's an awful lot of turnover, you know, to try and bring players in to learn a new scheme. There's also a little bit of sometimes a team just has your number. And if you look at the Ravens and Dolphins last three games now, you've got the 59-10 from Sunday. They played in 2017 and it was 40-0 to the Ravens. And in 2016, it was 38-6 to the Ravens. Jesus. So they, they really do seem to have the Dolphins number. Um, I don't think we've learned an awful lot. I think we expected the Dolphins to struggle this year. Um, and that's obviously going to continue. Um, in terms of the, the sort of vets asking for trades, I think for me, it's a little bit of a worrying trend that seems to be developing in the league. Yeah. Um, that the teams all of a sudden seem to want to be building this dynasty, if you like, that they feel is going to last for a good number of years and give them a massive Super Bowl window. Teams often now are, are sort of being accused, if you like, of following, believe it or not, the Browns model, which is, you know, stockpile picks and, and, and rebuild and go from there. Just just to remind everybody, the Browns have won nothing. They have had one season where it was decent. It was decent and it was under 500. They've lost the opener. They've won nothing. So, you know, if you're a fan of a franchise and you want to see them tank, let me tell you from somebody who watched one win in two years, <laughs> and that was on a block field goal, it is not nice at all. Um, and there has got to be a better way. I think it's a really worrying trend for the league. I know everyone wants to win a Super Bowl, but ultimately, that means 31 teams are going to get disappointed every year. Um, there's surely got to be a better way to be disappointed than, than put a terrible product out on the field. So, I hope for Dolphins fans it picks up. Let, let's just hope that... Like I say, a flurry of last-minute trades, a lot of roster turnover, and, and just a side that seemed to have the number, all those things combined, created a bit of an ugly start to the season. But they are generally good against the Patriots at home. Let's mm. see how they bounce back. Obviously, the, the Patriots are going to be expected to win that game. Um, but hopefully, you know, it shouldn't be a 49-point blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to be an incredibly tough test. If, if they switch quarterbacks and put Josh Rosen in to start, which is a... A possibility. It's it's not the it's not the opponent that you want as a as a start on a new team. And considering you know it's your second team in two years, it's you know the poor guy is going to be he's going to be confused to say the least about kind of where he's at. Mm. So you know, good good luck to Josh Rosen trying mm. to trying to prove himself. Yeah. Talking of confused, we move over to the New England Patriots and Antonio Brown. Um, it's an interesting one, I say. Breaking news: If you've been living under a rock for the last week, Antonio Brown is now a Patriot. Um, a lot of rumours going around that uh, something dodgy is going around, uh, going on behind the scenes. Where we heard that before with the Patriots. Um, you know, let me just get my list out. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously, I, I, I bet he was chomping at the bit to to be able to try and play uh, against Steeds. Obviously, couldn't because he wasn't signed and uh, and all the rest of it as well. Actually, quite clever because I, I did hear from another podcast that the reason that the Patriots didn't sign a. a, a Antonio Brown before week one it was just so that he can't get any you know if they terminate his contract he doesn't get any uh, compensation or something like that so um, peak Patriots there in that respect but um, he would have been Antonio Brown would have been sitting down and watching it somewhere and probably just laughing at the uh, the capitulation and kind of the lostness of the Steelers offense but um, yeah I mean there's quite a lot of complex kind of offshoots you can go with here with with Antonio Brown because he, he must have been sitting there thinking, you know, New England don't actually need me because look what, look at you know how much of a clinic they put on every, each and every week and look at their success. Uh, and for someone that has a bit of a complex and needs to be in the spotlight and it's all about you know him and the stats that he puts up and all the rest of it, it'd be interesting to see kind of how he approaches, you know, how he you know, interacts with coaches and players and Brady. Because you know, one one thing's for sure, uh, Sean, is that Belichick and, and Brady aren't just aren't going to part with the antics that he's been, do, you know showing us for the last year no absolutely you know, I think to be honest the only surprise in this for me was that he didn't end up in New England in the first place it seemed like a classic Patriots move at the time when he, he wanted to be traded and, and to be fair it was relatively low compensation at the time when the Raiders picked him up um, in, in terms of what's happened since I mean it has been laughable to say the least um, you know, for me, I think he, he very much is now in the last chance saloon and he's gone to a franchise where, as you just rightly said, it'll either work here or it won't work anywhere. And I think it is as simple as that with, with regards to this guy. Mm. The, there's no doubt in his talent. 
he's obviously, you know, you, you could argue he's the best receiver in the league. He would certainly enter that conversation. Um, but the, the beauty of, of New England is, you know, like you say, they don't need him. This is a bit of a luxury pick for, mm-hmm. for the Patriots if you like to pick him up. Yeah. Um, you know, whoever's on the field, they will get production out of, you know, there's been a few contract holdouts and things like that this year. You know, when was the last time anybody held out in New England? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they've got a certain way of doing things. They obviously um, have been very successful over a, a long period of time. But all of a sudden, that receiving call, you know, if you look at it, you've got Julian Edelman, who consistently performs, moves the sticks. He's, he's, he's Brady's favourite target. Josh Gordon, who, you know, obviously it's been a number of years since he's done it, but he, he has obviously got huge potential if he can stay clean off the field. You add Antonio Brown into that mix, um, you know, and, and Philip Dorsett's a name that nobody probably would have been talking about last week, but he showed that, you know, don't forget me, I was a, a first-round draft pick. He, he was the deep threat downfield, um, you know, We've gone from an off-season of, oh, Gronk's retired and, you know, is this going to be the end of the Patriots to all of a sudden probably the most convincing Patriots opening day performance I can remember for a long time. Mm. Um, and like I say, you add AB into the mix if he stays there and he gets his mind right. It's a pretty scary, scary sight already. Um, you know, I've picked them to win the Super Bowl and that's probably not very imaginative. I don't apologise <laughs> for that in, in as much as... I just can't see anybody beating them. Um, I really can't. They are just, for me, the most complete team. Um, and like I say, in terms of talent, he adds a huge amount. Whether he can do it remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, ab- um, absolutely. Sorry, Lars, yeah. I'll, I'll come to you shortly. Yeah, I mean, the, the defence actually really impressed me last night as well, uh, the other night as, as well. Uh, with, with the with the Patriots' offense just limiting, obviously them to, to you know a potentially quite potent offense to just three points. But yeah, th- just to pick up on your last point there, Sean, and I'll come to you, Lawrence, with this: is there is there any way in which you know, Antonio Brown could derail the Patriots' express, or you know does he last the season there? What how do you see the the Brown situation playing out this season? I I think from as far back as probably five six weeks ago. Um, Antonio Brown was engineering this move. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's this. This is not a kind of last-minute kind of thing that's happened over mm-hmm. the last weekend. That was just the culmination of it all. I think from as far back as him frying his feet in a cryogenic chamber, <laughs> or whatever it was, um, it was it was a call to get out. And you, you got to the point when that um, heavily. Um, orchestrated video um, went out with um, him recording the conversation with Coach Gruden, yeah. thinking that this this guy has mental health issues, yeah. and and all you wish for him is to to get professional mental health support. And you kind of think, you know, has he taken too many hits that this is now affecting him? And and it kind of then goes into the whole kind of concussion protocol and all all the kind of all that kind of stuff. Mm. And then you kind of realise, probably not. Mm. Probably he's, he's a lot smarter. And, and it's the person that we're not talking about here that we need to is Drew Rosenhaus. Because mm. it's, it's all about, this is Drew Rosenhaus being the puppet master here. Yeah. Not Antonio Brown. It's Drew Rosenhaus who has basically engineered this. The likelihood of him talking to the Patriots back in, before the summer is high. That they've had, they've had these conversations, and Antonio Brown's just done all that he can to get out. He's he's obviously come into the situation, assessed it, and went, "I'm just, I, I don't want to be here. Mm. I do not want to be here." Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe you know, on the surface, he said, "Oh, Derek Carr, yes, you're nice. We'll we'll joke around on the sidelines during our preseason games and look like best best buddies." But he's probably thinking, "Derek Carr, you're not actually the best quarterback in the league." Um, let me let me try and win a ring. Um, I know where I can go. I know exactly who I can get throwing the ball to me. Mm. Um, and I think all these kind of all these incidents have kind of added up, and it it just feels when you look back on it now, it's just it feels incredibly structured. Oh yeah, absolutely. That none of this is none of this is by accident. And obviously the whole, whole social media thing playing into all of this. You know, it, it's it's perfect. It's mm. it's its own little soap opera, yeah. and you know, you yeah, it's 
It's like it's like when the the, the, the week didn't it? The week finished like at four o'clock, and then he signs. You know, well, he, he agreed terms of you know, half hour after the waiver kind of um, window kind of closed. It's also quite interesting as well because uh, Oakland Raiders to see if they do anything in terms of you know tampering and and, and uh, just about that call with John Gruden. It's actually illegal in in the state of California to to record a call unless both sides have consent. So that, that's quite interesting as well. Um, uh, hashtag Piers Morgan. But <laughs> moving on, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just all very you know this this all started because the you know the Patriots you know, the the Steelers wouldn't trade uh, Brown to the Patriots just because they're obviously rivals and, and all the rest of it. So uh, it does it does seem very structured. And something just smells a bit dodgy, if you ask me. But um, yeah, whether or not it all comes out now or a couple of years down the line, you know, Roger Goodell's. Uh, in the back pocket of uh, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and all the rest of them, so I'm not quite sure we'll find anything out that we really want to know, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah, we just have to wait and see on on that one anyway. But yeah, one of the more interesting storylines to obviously come out week one. He will return uh, in week two. But yeah, enjoyed uh, some of the, the some of the main talking points from week one. Don't forget to check out. Our full 10 takeaways where we go through a few more uh, storylines as well, including Melvin Gordon um, and, and all the rest of it as well. So go and check that out. But, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the quiz. So let's hope that you've been watching uh, week one as well, because that's, uh, that's what it is all about. Okay, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, third edition of the full 10 questions, who amongst the next 16 weeks or so will join Neil Elliott and Simon Carroll and have their names up in lights and a famous uh, famous winner of the full 10 questions. First up this time around, we have Jason Bowdler. Um, Jason, welcome you in. How are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? Um, not too bad at all, yeah. Uh, football-wise, it's a bit of a downer, mm. being a Steelers fan. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yours look to the next week, uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> football's back as well, hey, that's the main thing, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I keep telling myself. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, obviously, you play you play the game yourself. Uh, do you want to, maybe you want to talk about how your season's gone? Is it Birmingham Bulls, isn't it? Yeah, I don't actually play. Uh, just a fan, uh, long-term okay. fan. Um, yeah. Uh, my thirtieth year this year, Ooh. so quite special. Um, yeah, so uh, balls this year um, made the semi-finals after mm. uh, being undefeated. Unfortunately, we couldn't uh, get to the final hurdle mm-hmm. um, in Buckleyde. Very, very physical team mm. um, uh, defeated us there. So uh, we go again next year absolutely. with the same goal. Yeah, absolutely. You and uh, Matthew Sheldon, isn't it? Um, so yeah, you'll be putting plans in place yeah. uh, for for next season. Yeah, so, so it should be fun. But yeah, Inverclyde is obviously a strong outfit winning last week uh, against against the Horton Spartans. So yeah, yeah, no mean, uh, no hard feelings yeah, there, I, I, I suppose. But yeah, um, let's let's get on to more. This is obviously an NFL podcast. Uh, so this for this season, ladies and gentlemen, anyone out there that wants to get involved as well, like Jason is doing, uh, maybe get a podcast T-shirt. Uh, if you are the winner of the of the edition of say this is the third edition, we'll be talking all about NFL this 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 edition of the quiz. Looking back on the the previous weeks, quite on like all that all went down in the NFL. Jason, uh, are you ready? It's going to be same format, ten questions. You're going to be against the clock uh, and say the most the most correct answers uh, wins if there is uh, the, yeah, the same amount of people on a certain number of correct questions. We will have the tiebreaker. Are you ready? I am indeed, yes. Okay, let's kick it off in three, two, one. Question one. How are the first points of the 2019 season scored? Oh, interception return. Okay, question two. Most uh, most week one rushing yards, Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. How many kicks did Adam Vinatieri miss for the Colts against the Chargers? Okay, name the name the Jacksonville Jaguars backup QB who came in for Nick Foles. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, what is his name? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll accept. I'll accept, yeah, I'll accept uh, a surname. Yeah, someone like Ming Glau or something like that, Mogwai or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mogwai, very good. Uh, next no. question: Name any player that scored three touchdowns in Week One. 
Any player that scored three touchdowns? Yep. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Sammy Watkins, Kansas City. Okay. Uh, which game ended in a tie? Indeed. Which game had the most points in week one? Um, let's go for uh, Baltimore, Miami. Okay. Name any game that had a safety. Okay, question nine. Name any offensive skill position Ravens player that did not score a touchdown against Miami. <laughs> um, absolutely no idea. <laughs> Didn't see the game. Give me, give me, give me a player. Give me an offensive player for Jack, for Baltimore. Oh, yeah. I know. Brain scored, but yeah. Uh, not Antonio Brown, obviously. That's the sole point. <laughs> <clears throat> you passing? Uh, Brown. Okay, within 50... This last question, question 10. Within 50, how many total points were scored in week one? <sighs> uh, oh, 320. Okay, we will stop the clock just short of three minutes. How uh, how was that? <laughs> Scrambling a little bit there. That was awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Right. Um, I'll um, I'll be honest with you. I think I've seen three games this weekend, so it was always going to be a struggle. That's fine. That's okay. we will we will go back through it. So, how were the first points of the 2019 season scored? Uh, that was obviously the Green Bay Chicago game, and that was a Chicago field goal. Funnily enough. Um, obviously one of their reasons why, uh, they, okay. they, why, they, why they didn't get further on in the playoffs. Uh, most week one rushing yards, Christian McCaffrey was 128, Saquon Barkley 120, so that one was correct. Uh, question three, how many kicks did uh, okay. Adam Vinatieri miss for the Colts? Uh, he missed three in total, two field goals uh, and a point after as well. That's, uh, well, I wouldn't say a trick question, but yeah, he missed three kicks all in all. Uh, name, yeah. name the Jacksonville Jaguars backup quarterback who came in for Nick Foles. His name was Gardner Minshew. I can't quite give you uh, some of the uh, some of the ones you can, yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. come out with there. Um, yeah, uh, question six. Uh, name a uh, sorry question five. Well, name a player that scored three touchdowns in week one. Sammy Watkins, obviously for the Kansas City Chiefs, was correct. Austin Eckler, you could have had as well. Uh, which game ended as a tie? Detroit, Arizona was also correct. And which game had the most points in week one was Baltimore and Miami with 69. I think the uh, Kansas one was the next closest with 66. Uh, name any game that had a safety right. scored in it. Cleveland and Tennessee was the uh, was the answer there. Obviously, Baker Mayfield going down uh. in the end zone. And uh, question nine, name any offensive skill position Ravens player that didn't score a touchdown. Obviously, being a Steelers fan, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure you, whether you wanted to get this one right or not, being a, a Ravens <laughs> question. But you could have yeah, had, I you could have had any of Lamar Jackson, Justice Hill, uh, RG3, Gus Edwards, uh, Levine, Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, and Seth Roberts as well. So actually, quite a few players there, but uh, yeah, wow. there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, question ten. Uh, Within 50, how many points in week one? There was 776. Um, so, yeah, just a bit sure. Probably half of you. I think you said about half of that, didn't you? Um, so let's just... Uh, I'll uh, be rubbish. Let's, let's just count these up. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we've got five, five out of ten. Not a bad, not a bad start whatsoever. So. Oh, not bad, I suppose. There we go, yeah. Five, five out of yeah, ten. I, I, yeah. Go on. I didn't think I'd set it alight anyway. <laughs> hey, well, you got a bit of a roll towards the end. Yeah, towards the end. Actually, wait, one, two, three... Uh, yeah, I think it was five. Uh, I'll go back and check just in, just to make sure. Um, yeah, it's it's always hard. It's always hard. Let's say you've only, if you only watched three of the games, and you're not a red zone fan. Um, no, I, t- I tend to sort of stick to one game. I like yeah. to see the ebb and flow of a game. So yeah. I had um, had the Chiefs on at first. So and then obviously I went to bed, and then I watched the debacle that was the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, at one o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah, I have to pick and choose. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty much the same. I always prefer to watch one game, like if it, as long as it's a juicy one, 
um, to, to watch, say, one game and just get yeah. into it and then just kind of flick through and see what's going on elsewhere and watch the games in 40 uh, during, yeah. during the week. So. Yeah, I'm watching the same. Yeah. Okay, well, Jason, uh, nonetheless, uh, thank you so much for coming on and putting your knowledge uh, to, the, to the test. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Jason to tell him how well or badly he did on Twitter, at Jason Bowdler, you can get him on the Twitter. Uh, but, Jason, appreciate you coming on. I'm sure I'll to stick. <laughs> you get that as a Steelers fan anyway, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, used to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I appreciate you coming on first up. It's always, it's not easy going going first up, not knowing potentially what's coming on because all everyone else now that listens obviously know might know have an inkling what's coming up for the uh, for the questions uh, each and week. So yeah, absolutely no problem. Glad to help you out. Keep all the good work as well. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it, just clap your hands. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Jason Garrett Corner is back. Been waiting all off season to do this. Couple of uh, probably a couple of decisions that we can talk about here, but surely, uh, surely the winner, every um, Sean Lawrence, is Matt Patricia's timeout on. Uh, was it on third down? Uh, Matt, Matt Stafford was absolutely fuming when he went to the sideline. Two scores up, would have been a first down. Would have killed the game because Arizona didn't, you know, didn't have the requisite amount of timeouts to be able to stop the clock. But yeah. Jay- <laughs> Matt Stafford, you know, shouting at the sideline to, to Matt Patricia, saying, "Trust me, trust me." Uh, but yeah, calls a timeout, and then they obviously don't don't make the third down after they come back from the timeout, and then uh, the rest is history. And Arizona come back, um, and 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 obviously get the tie. Kyler Murray at that point was nine of twenty nine for seventy yards, um, and then obviously look at his end of end of game stats. So they're a whole lot different. But uh, yeah, an absolute cracker to start us off with Jason Garrett corner. Um, there's also um, Sean. There was, there was something else about punting, wasn't there? In, in when they in, was it in overtime, or was it just um, yeah, yeah, yeah? So it's it's from the same game. So it was just one that that I found a little bit questionable. I think you know none of us are expecting the Cardinals to go sixteen and zero this year. I don't think any of us are predicting the Cardinals to get to the suit uh, to the playoffs this year or anything crazy like that. But you know, faced with fourth and seven, um, you know they were. I think just over the right side of midfield from their perspective. I think he was on the the Lions forty six. I think there was like yeah. a minute or so to go in the game at this point. Um obviously with overtime, um, you know, would have left a minute for the, the Lions to potentially get into field goal range. Appreciate that, but I, I, for me it was just a questionable. I, mm-hmm. I can understand, but I, I'm always in the camp of play to win rather than play not to lose and, and obviously with that limited amount of time on the clock I just thought it was a little bit cowardly if I'm honest and if I was sitting there as a as a Cardinals fan as you just alluded to all the momentum was with them after that fourth quarter comeback. I would have liked to have seen him be quite aggressive there. You know, he's obviously coming with his reputation of this air raid offence and you know it's all about getting points on the board and being aggressive and that was a real opportunity to do just that and he kind of chickened out if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, 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 all the listeners out there, I, I followed a, a Twitter account at the weekend. It's called at surrender underscore index where any team that punts in the NFL, there's, a, there's an index on how cowardly <laughs> how cowardly the punt is and I, I've, I've managed to bring up the, the that Arizona punt. So uh, Arizona decided to punt on the, uh, to Detroit from the Detroit 46 on 4th and 7 with 1 minute 10 remaining whilst uh, tied at 27-0 in overtime, uh, obviously in the game. The surrender index was 58.73 and the the punt ranked at the 100th percentile of cowardly punts of the 2019 season. And this is the best one. It's the 99.6th percentile of all punts since 2009. (laughs) Uh, well, there you go. I think I think as someone else described it on Twitter on Sunday when I was reading it, even a twelve-year-old playing Madden would have gone for that course. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Yeah, and the whole point of Jason Garrett Corner, the whole reason it came up was when the, the Cowboys punted last season uh, in overtime against the Houston Texans. Uh, I think it was on a very sh- a short fourth and one. So um, yeah, in in real Jason Garrett spirit, uh, I suppose that that could have been the answer as well, considering the uh, the circumstances there. Uh, but Lawrence, any any other? Questionable coaching uh, decisions from you over the weekend. Yeah, I've I've got an equal um, kind of slice of cowardice um, this time from um, Mike Tomlin. So this is on the um, with the Patriots game, down twenty to nothing at half time. Um, the Steelers kind of they've they've obviously had the 
the big talking to. They've had those. They've had the the eyes bored into the back of their heads in the in the in the locker room. They've come out. They've drove all the way down to the one yard line. And then Tomlin says, "Okay, we'll kick a field goal," <laughs> and that that basically took the air out of the game. And it and it said to, it said, "We're not going to gamble in this game. We're we're not going to try and mount a comeback." And from that point onwards, the Patriots were in command. Not mm. that they weren't already, mm. but at that decision was was basically the end of it. That was the end of the game at um, twenty to three. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, Dave Damashek, or you know, the the legendary um, podcast host over um, over at the NFL, um, he he tweeted out, "A field goal is an atrocious decision here," and and I'd absolutely agree. Um, it was it was a shocker, and I think it, it's that kind of you know, if if that touchdown would have gone in twenty to seven, it's a thirteen point game, it's a two score game. You kick a field goal, it goes from a three-score game to a three-score game. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was just too conservative. Mm, yeah. And week one, it's not as if, you know, it's week one. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> have a gamble. Yeah, whereas week one away to the Patriots, you've got nothing to lose anyway. But yeah, certainly uh, Mike Tomlin waving the white flag or maybe the terrible towel, I suppose, if you're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that's going to wrap it up for Jason Garrett Corner. That will be back next week. Very excited the return of that. Um, before we wrap off, gents, let's have a look ahead to week two. Thursday night football, Buccaneers uh, at Panthers. That should be an interesting one. I think Panthers will probably have too much there. Is there any, I don't know if you guys have the, the schedule in front of you. I'll quickly yeah. run. Um, yep. Is there any game that takes your eye? The, the one for me, uh, Vikings at Packers, will be, a, will be a feisty one. Yeah, mm. I think that that is going to be hard hitting low scoring and and it's it this is the time where you know is Kirk Cousins for real it's it's this is this is a an early test when again everything's still in the early stages but i think this is this is a this is a test because obviously Kirk Cousins let a lot of people down massive massive free agency signing last last season from the redskins now he's got to he's got to prove himself he looked more comfortable um, already in week one, but he's got to he's got to go and prove it. Mm. It's at Green Bay, so that's where it gets that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, Kirky Cousins only completing ten passes, I think it was, uh, uh, in the game uh, in week one. But uh, Sean, the, the other the other juicy matchup, both of these games on Sky as well, by the way. So, uh, but the nine, excuse me, the nine twenty five one, uh, a bit lot of recent history here in this one. Saints at Rams. Yeah, looking forward to this one. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this was something like 45-35 in the Superdome last year. Mm. Um, obviously, two high-scoring offenses. Um, interesting to see how the Rams continue to use the backs in the in the backfield. Um, obviously, your expectation was that the you know, quote-unquote Gurley was full go and not on a pitch count, but very much a shared workload. So it'll be interesting to see how that one continues to play out. Um, but yeah, that should be a really good matchup for the Sunday night viewing. Um, sneaky good game for me in the six o'clock window because the Packers Vikings, I believe, is the Sky game. Yeah. Um, is the Colts and the Titans? Yeah. Um, I think you know. Obviously, I got the the displeasure of watching the Titans last week. Um, but I think that that's got a tasty matchup written all over it because uh, the Colts were were decent on the road as well um, with Jacoby Brissett. So. That could be a good one um, for Game Pass viewers if you're looking for an alternative to the Sky game in the early window as well. Yeah, I, and, and I can't, I can't leave Week Two alone without just saying Cowboys Redskins. Mm. It's, it's me it's versus for, you. As me, a, it's a personal highlight for me. Yeah, me versus um, you, Lawrence. If, yeah. Yeah, me versus this, you. This, this is this is going to be a fun one. Mm. We're obviously huge, huge underdogs, um, but we're at home. We've got nothing to lose, so this this is. Um, I I am really looking forward to this game. I'm going to be glued to that, so I'll, yeah. I'll get my game pass on 
and yep. I'll be I'll be on that for six o'clock. Yeah, me and you, me and you both, mate. And so, so it's unfortunate, really, because I'm I'm really actually looking forward to see how the Steelers respond. They they uh, Seahawks come to to Hinesfield. Uh, I think I've got a funny feeling the Seahawks are going to get a bit of an upset in that one, uh, and I think things might start to unreal uh, unravel over in Ohio in in well with the Steelers. Uh, sorry, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, isn't it? Um, but yeah, some yeah. some other not really too much else to talk about. Obviously, Patriots travel to Dolphins. That's always been a notorious game. Hashtag Miami Miracle uh, last year. Bears at Broncos could be another good one. Vic, the Vic Fangio Bowl, uh, I suppose you could call it. Sunday Night Football with Eagles at Falcons. That was obviously the opening game last season as well. Falcons at home, uh, the Eagles. Um, was who, Who's the defender that's just been out ruled out for the season? Is it Malik Jackson? I want to say Malik Jackson. Anyway, um, yeah, and obviously I've rounded off Monday Night Football with your Browns, Sean, uh, and the Jets as well. So yeah, and again, more storylines. And don't forget to look. Ahead, you know, t- on tomorrow will be our full ten look ahead, where we give you some of the more exciting storylines, some of which we covered here in the podcast today. But it's going into week two. Uh, Sixteen weeks left, fellas. Uh, can't wait for it. Should be should be good times. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It's great. It's great that the the football season's back. It just it makes the pain of the last six months go away. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that is going to wrap it up for today's podcast. Thank you, fellas, for getting in, uh, coming on and chatting to me. If you want to get in touch with any of us here at the podcast, at Full Ten Yards is the Twitter handle. But you can find me at Tim underscore Monk F Ten Y. You can find Lawrence at NFL Fan in England and Sean at at Sean underscore F Ten Y. So we'll be putting out an article tomorrow. Uh, the full 10 look ahead as well for, for the week two action. Don't forget to check out all the other branches. You know, Fantasy football has some stuff going on. Obviously, Fantasy football, we're in the swing of things now, as is the college the college stuff. Don't forget to check out the podcast yesterday from Lee and the boys over in the uh, full 10 yards college. Uh, I'll be back on In Between Your Ears on Saturday with Adam of Touchdown Tips, where we give you the best bets for week two. We had a good week one, as we usually do, because we are the best in the bizzo. But really appreciate you all listening in. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and and say we really appreciate you following us listening to us and all the rest of it hopefully we can put out some you're enjoying the content we are putting out but in the meantime we'll be back the three of us will be should be back next week to recap all of week two but in the meantime it's goodbye from sean see you later guys it's goodbye from lawrence take care and it's goodbye from me thanks for listening everyone in the great words of kevin cadle it's a bye-bye for now bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.